How are we all? That's good. Oh, there it is. I'm just going to open everything up. Oh, can we get it down a bit? That's super loud. I'm scared. Sorry. I'm going to pray before I start. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much for your word and that you teach us great truths through it. I pray, Father, that tonight you'll speak through me. You'll help me to be faithful to your word. Uh, Let everything that comes out of my lips be the same thing that you want spoken and heard tonight. Amen. So, the last few weeks, a group of us here from church have embarked on what is called a push-up challenge. Now, I need to firstly confess that I haven't been as committed as the rest, and I missed about the first week and a half. However, I'm back on track, and, um, well, not on track, I won't do the first week and a half, because that's like a thousand push-ups. Anyway, um, but what I've noticed in actually taking this up and doing it properly, properly, other than the fact that my body is in quite a lot of pain, is that you kind of need to centre your day around doing these push-ups, especially the really big days, because you, you kind of like, you, I think some of the biggest days are over 200 push-ups, and so you're like, all right, I've got this much time in my day, so I could probably do 10 there, and I could probably do like 20 there, and maybe 30 there, because you don't want to try and bang them all out in one go, because it would hurt a lot, and then you probably would be in a bad place for the next day, which could be more or less, or whatever. I think you, you kind of get the idea. So I've been realising, I just have to base my entire day around doing push-ups. Like, it's hard, and I feel like I can see people, like Mikhail's laughing, because he's doing it, Heath, Keats, some of the year 10 boys up there are doing it. There's Joel, is Jude up there? Yeah, and I think Jaden McGregor's doing it, but I don't think he's up there. Anyway, I think I named everyone. I just want, thought, you know, you guys can get behind them. Um, the whole purpose of it is to raise awareness for mental health, which is good, but I've been basing my day around push-ups, centering my life around push-ups. And what we're looking at tonight is what we should be centering our lives around. And I don't think it's push-ups. Uh, sorry, that was funny that you guys laughed so much at that. <laughs> so we're finishing our little mini-series on this in, with this introductions to Paul's letters, and tonight we are looking at the epistle to the Romans. And I think in this introduction, Paul sets up, he says to everyone, this, go- this letter is about the gospel. What I'm writing to you, the centre of it all is the gospel. And that's what he's establishing for us, and I think what we need to learn from this is that our lives too need to be centred and and have the foundation of the gospel. And I want us to see that in three ways. First, we ought to listen to the gospel. Second, we ought to remember the gospel. And third, we ought to obey the gospel. Centering our lives around the gospel. It's important to remember that Paul has actually never been to Rome at this point when he writes. Um, So he would likely have not met most or any of the people that he's writing to, So this first verse, verse 1, which says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, that first verse is important because he's kind of, he is literally probably introducing himself and he needs to establish his identity and his authority to then go on and teach them the things that he does in this letter. And so it's really important that he does this and he does it in three ways. And the first is that, the first thing he says is that he's a servant of Christ Jesus He establishes the core of his identity. My life is given up for the service of Christ. I am the same as you if you're a Christian. 
You are a servant of Christ Jesus. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. We are on the same page. The second thing that Paul says is, to this one is kind of more to establish his authority to teach them the things that he will, is that he says he's called to be an apostle. And I think the reason Paul adds the word called in there, not just saying, I am an apostle, is because at the time, there were people going around sponging off the authority of the apostles. They were false teachers, but they were saying that they were apostles. And so he kind of sets himself apart. He differentiates himself from these people to establish that he's a true apostle. Another way of saying it is that he's a called apostle. He needs to do this so that they know that what he says are God's words and that he needs to be listened to and what he says they can trust in. So you see, these called apostles, right, they have had the mystery of the gospel revealed to them by Christ himself. We know that Paul had this because on the road to Damascus, Christ came and spoke the truth of the gospel to him. And so he has the authority. Jesus endorses his ministry to go out and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles, which is what he's doing. So he needs to say this to the Romans to say, listen to me, what I'm saying is truth and you can listen to it, you can trust it, you can apply it to your life. He is called to be an apostle. His words are God's. And the final thing he does to establish his identity and authority is to say that he is set apart for the gospel. And I think that it's a reference um, to say that he has been set apart from birth. He's like, it was from before I was born that God has prepared this mission of gospel proclamation. Way before he became that crazy guy killing Christians, even before then, God's plan was for him to end up proclaiming the truth of the gospel and the very words of God. And so with all that in mind, we can know that we can listen to the gospel that Paul preaches, the gospel that Paul proclaims. He says to them, I am one of you. I serve Christ with my life and no one else. I have authority to teach these things. What I say is God's word, and this was prepared for me from birth. So we should listen to it too. Recently, myself and Caleb, we led on uh, this kids' camp called SCKC, and it's uh, a camp for kids from like disadvantaged or broken families. Um, and one thing that we kind of had to emphasise to the kids throughout the week was for them to listen, which is probably true for all kids. Um, but one thing we would always say to them was, listen with two ears. And I think maybe, like, to us, it just sounds like a, a simple gimmick to get kids to obey instructions on a camp. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I was like, it kind of does speak volumes to us as well, because how often maybe do we come to church and we only listen to the gospel with one ear? We have one ear here. Maybe if, you know, the people up the front who preach do a good job of proclaiming the gospel, you get your gospel fix here at church, but then you go out and you just listen to the, all the other voices in the world that are out there. You've only got one ear that's actually paying attention to the gospel. I feel like those, some of those voices, like, they might be like what you read on Facebook. I read a lot of articles these days. Am I filling in my mind with the right voices? Or have I got one ear to what's going on maybe in politics or, I don't know, with Trump or something at the moment and the other ear to the gospel? Rather than having both ears fixed on what is the most important 
thing. Maybe it's celebrities and you're figuring out what's the latest thing that's happening with them, which I don't know. Maybe it's the latest fitness craze or Netflix. We're filling ourselves with voices that we shouldn't be. Let's keep the main game, the main game, and listen to the gospel. I would suggest to you, are you reading your Bible regularly and meditating on it? Actually taking it in. I feel like often we just, you know, might read Romans 1, takes five minutes, put the Bible down, go. We haven't meditated on it. We haven't come at it with an open heart, ready for it to change our life. We've only listened to it with one ear. Listen to the gospel with two, two ears. Pay attention to what it says before you listen to the voices of the world. Before you listen to what feels comfortable or what you think is right. You see, the gospel should shape and dictate those things, not the other way around. So Paul is establishing his authority so the Romans know to listen to him, and we should too. Secondly, let's look at verses 2 through 5. And I think we see here that Paul wants us to remember the gospel. Verse 2. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures regarding his son who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So Paul now basically in these few verses goes on to kind of explain the content of the gospel of God, which I think he's saying this is at the center of my whole message. And I think as we listen to this gospel, we need to also remember it. At the end of, at the, end of the letter to the Romans, he almost quotes these same verses again. So I think Paul is really pushing, this is the point of I'm writing, for you to know the gospel and to come to it in obedience through faith. And I think there are three things here that Paul wants us to remember about the gospel. It's promised, it's about Jesus, and ultimately it is for Jesus. The first thing he says, it was promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. It's the first thing that we need to remember, is that the gospel, or the Old Testament, I should say, points us to the gospel. The prophets and the scriptures point us to the gospel. The Old Testament is, the gospel, sorry, is where we see Jesus revealed. And the prophets speak about it and scripture speaks about it. And the gospel is at the center of it all. And I think that's exactly why we, like, we cannot neglect what it says in the Old Testament. We need to know it well because it points us to the gospel and it finds its familiar, uh, familiar fulfillment in the gospel. Paul then goes on to tell us who the gospel is about. He says that it is about Jesus Christ our Lord. That's at the end of verse 4. He tells us that Jesus is a descendant of David. He became a man which fulfills the Old Testament. He was killed and was resurrected. Verse 4 tells us that Jesus was raised from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit and that that resurrection was used to appoint Jesus as the Son of God. I think that's saying that Jesus' authority lies in the resurrection. Jesus being raised from the dead 
shows us that he truly is God's son. He is this Messiah, this anointed one. And by his blood, we are saved from our own rebellion. That's all affirmed in the resurrection. In Jesus, we have in one body, fully God and fully man, right? He's taken on the lowliness of humanity and faced the death that we deserve. And through his resurrection, was appointed the one before whom every knee will bow. I want to remind you to not ever forget the length that God went to save you from your sin, that God went to save us from our sin. And don't ever forget the authority that Jesus has now that death is defeated. He's now the Lord, and I think that's beautiful news, that God would go all that way to save us. Paul's reminding them of the wonderful works of Jesus. The gospel is about Jesus. And finally, the final thing that we must remember is that I think ultimately the gospel is also for Jesus. Yes, the gospel achieves for us salvation. Later on in the same chapter of Romans, it says that the the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. If you're a Christian, you are saved by the gospel. We reap the benefits as Christians, for we are the ones that are saved by the blood of Jesus. However, I don't think we should be so arrogant to think that it is only for us. It is only for our redemption or our salvation. I think ultimately, our salvation is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And I think this because in verse 5 it says, for his name's sake. The gospel is about Jesus. The gospel is for Jesus. It's for his glory. It's for his name. Paul talks about receiving, uh, through him we received grace and apostleship. When Paul fulfills that properly, Jesus gets the glory. And when you live in the way that you ought and the way that you have been called, As a Christian, Jesus gets the glory. I think this is beautiful because it means we can remove our own preferences and presuppositions and desires from how we think about Christianity. See, how we think Christianity should look is redundant because our lives are for His name's sake. It's not about us. God has chosen to include you and I in his plan to bring about Jesus' glory. That is good news. And let's make sure we remember it as we listen to it. Let's make sure we remember it. The gospel was promised. It's not just made up on the spot. It was promised for ages beforehand and we see it in the Old Testament. The gospel is about Jesus and ultimately is, is for Jesus. Paul in this introduction is establishing a letter that is centred on the gospel. It's built upon the gospel and our lives need to be the same. We should not be living our lives outside of the gospel. What I mean by this is that we need to remember it in all that we do. When you work, work in such a way that is centred upon the gospel. Work hard. 
when you study, study in a way that is based upon the gospel. Study hard. But when you work and when you study, don't put so much time and energy into them that you forget to come to church or you forget to read your Bible or you can't make it to study, Bible study during the week or whatever it is. This is where we get to listen and remember the gospel in community with our brothers and sisters. Don't cut yourself off from that. Maybe when you play sport on the weekend, compete, this is, you know, preaching to myself here, compete in a way that is centered around the gospel. Do the best you can and love the other team. That's biblical, love your enemies. (laughs) When you hang with family or friends, love them. Do so in a matter that is centered around the gospel. Some people here will have families they find easy to love. Others will have family they find difficult to love. Either way, The gospel calls us to love them. When we are here at church, let's come to church with a gospel-centered attitude. We get to praise God together. Remember the lengths He went for us? This is awesome. Center your church attendance upon the gospel. When you serve, remember the gospel is not about you. So don't serve as if it is about you. In all these things as well, I think we need to be sharing the gospel. A gospel-centered life is a gospel-sharing life. Paul reminds the Romans of it. It's one of the first things he does in his letter here in this introduction. introduction. So let's remind each other. After church, let's go and say, how good is it that Jesus died on the cross to save us from sin? How good is that? Let's tell others in our life as well that don't know Jesus the goodness of the gospel, and that they ought to respond to it. I think we should treat the gospel as if it has its own kind of gravitational pull. Always remember it. Always come back to it. Kind of brings me to my last point, to obey the gospel. It's at the end of verse (coughs) 5. I'll just read verse 5 and 6. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul's mission, uh, he kind of states he's like a mission in this verse. He's saying to the Gentiles, it's so that you come to the obedience that comes from faith. Paul's not just interested in a conversion moment. He's interested in what follows. He's interested in their life changing and the obedience that comes from faith in Christ. Paul's message, it's not, it doesn't stop at like a presentation of the gospel, but it beckons and it calls for a response of obedience. And it's, it's evident in, in a lot of his writing. If we get to Rome, once you get to Romans 6, he kind of starts talking about leaving the sinful life behind. When you get to Romans 12, he talks about Offering your bodies as living sacrifices of worship. There's a life change. In another letter, in 1 Corinthians, Paul spends heaps of time talking about how we ought to live as Christians. I don't know if this is completely correct, but if we were to think of conversion as a two-stage thing, it would be we come to know Christ, put faith in Him, we're saved by the blood of Jesus, but then we need to respond with obedience that comes from that faith. I think that's why our church, I don't know, you can ask Bruce, 
I think that's why our church says introducing Jesus and changing lives. It's not just about a conversion moment. I don't think Christianity is about you saying, oh, you believe in Jesus, you're all good, like, that's, that's it. I think that's wrong. I think it's once you believe in Jesus to then follow him in obedience. Now, I think I should say this, you are saved by grace through faith. I'm not trying to preach some sort of works-based thing here. Your salvation is secure through faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus. The saving work is completely done by Jesus. But out of that faith must come obedience. We often hear things like, I feel like in evangelical circles, we often hear things like, Christianity is not a works-based faith. Um, You know, you don't get to heaven through works. Sure, you get to heaven through Jesus, but I think after that, you must do some work. We've got to obey. And that's the work of the gospel, is obedience to the gospel. So it begs the question, where in your life at the moment are you being disobedient to God? Where am I being disobedient to God in my life at the moment? Confronting question, maybe. Maybe it's as simple as you're not listening to the gospel at all at the moment. Maybe you're not centering your life around it. Maybe you aren't telling others about Jesus and about this good news. Maybe you're you're caught up in pride and you think that it's all about you. You're the sun in the solar system. And you need to hear that the gospel is not about you, it's about Jesus and bringing Him glory. Maybe you're caught up in sexual immorality. You need to be reminded of the institution of marriage that was established in Genesis 1 between a man and a woman, and that is where sex is to exist. Maybe you're married and you're not loving your husband or wife as you ought. Maybe you aren't taming your tongue And you're quick to speak and slow to listen rather than the other way around. Maybe you're easily angered, you're not demonstrating patience. Maybe you're putting something else in your life above the gospel and you're falling into idolatry. Whatever it is, Jesus tells us to repent and believe in the good news. Mark 1 verse 15. So tonight, if you know where in your life you are not being obedient to the gospel, go home and get on your knees in repentance. That's probably the area I struggle with the most at the moment, is remembering that I need to come before God on my knees, confess my sin, and turn back in obedience to the gospel. But I want to remind you to centre your repentance on the gospel. You are saved by grace through faith. Repent knowing that Jesus has already taken away your guilt. And that should be the motivation for you to turn to the gospel. I really like the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And I think this line captures a gospel-centered repentance. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. It's like he just thought this and went on a tangent mid-writing a song. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, 
oh my soul. That is gospel-centered repentance. As we, rem- as we confess and turn away from our sin, we remember that Jesus has already washed it away by his blood. And so we are assured of our forgiveness in Christ. Paul has introduced this letter to the Romans by showing them that it's going to be about the gospel and everything that he's going to write from now on is going to have that as its foundation. So in our lives, let's ensure that they too are centred around the gospel. Listen to the gospel, remember the gospel and obey the gospel. I might just pray to close up. Father God, first we just uh, thank you and praise you for the good news of Jesus, that we know that he died so that we can live, so that we can be reunited with the Father in heaven one day. Father, I pray that you will help us to listen to your gospel, to remember it and to obey it, to always come back to this simple message. And I thank you for Paul and that you chose him to write it down and so that we may come to know you through his words and through the words of the rest of the Bible as well. I pray that you'll help us to change our lives so that they may be centered around the gospel. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh,